Indeed, amen. If you have a Bible, I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 21 today. I'll give you two guesses on what we're going to preach about, and the first one doesn't count. <laughs> it's Palm Sunday, amen. As you know, next week is Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter Sunday, amen. And we call it Resurrection Sunday because that is the day that all of Christianity celebrates the event that separates us from every other religious system in the world. It's true. It's true. We celebrate the fact that our Savior didn't stay in the tomb, but He resurrected, and He's alive. Amen. And we look forward to celebrating that with you and your family next Sunday right here in this sanctuary at 11 a.m. One service next Sunday, but it's going to be a powerful service. Amen. We want you to be here. Amen. And you thought this worship was something today. Amen. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I promise you that. Amen. Also, next Sunday is the official due date for your Life Forward Change for Life baby bottles. Many of you remember back at the end of February, we uh, took some empty baby bottles home to bless life forward and to fill those up and bring them back. And those are due beginning next Sunday on Easter Sunday. So please bring those back to, to the house of God and we're going to bless Life Forward Ministries. Amen. We're going to help some young women and young mothers make a decision for life. Amen. Thank God. And so if next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, then that makes today Palm Sunday. Let's talk about that. Matthew chapter 21 today, begin reading at verse number 6. The Bible says, and the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. Boy, I'll just give an altar call right there, right? If we could just get that, I feel like we'd be doing all right. Verse number 7 says, they brought a donkey and a colt and placed their cloaks upon them and Jesus sat on them and a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed cried, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Can you say amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you today, and we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for the spirit that we feel in this house this morning. I thank you for the worship of your people. I thank you, God, for coming and inhabiting this place. God, I'm asking now that you would open our minds and open our hearts to receive what we need from you. God, change us today. Lord, do something in all of us that we couldn't do for ourselves. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. And somebody shout amen. 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 God bless you today in Jesus' name.
I think I have, I think I've said this from the pulpit before, but I am a movie guy. I like movies. I like to watch movies. Um, maybe some of y'all are movie lovers. I don't know. If you are, then you probably have a favorite, a favorite movie genre. Most moviegoers do. For some folks, it's all the feels of the romantic comedy, you know, the rom-com as they call it. For others, it's the adrenaline rush of the action adventure or maybe it's the sci-fi thriller, right, for you. Maybe uh, for others, uh, you know, what if it's the intrigue of a good drama, right? We love our drama, do we not? <laughs> yeah, we really do. We love our drama. There's so many to choose from and so many options to get excited about, and I know that we all have our favorites, but for me, uh, there, there's, a, there's a seemingly forgotten genre that I, I really do love, and it's hard for me to pass up, and it's hard for me to, to pass over, and that is the genre of the good old Western. Oh, I got some smiles going now. I, yeah. The good, old, the good old Western. There's something about a good Western. I, don't get me wrong, I like, I like all the other genres, but for me, the Western just, you know, it ropes me right in. You see what I did there? You like, okay. I don't think today's generation really understands what they're missing when they pass over the, the Western in favor of their, you know, sporting events or, or, or reality shows or whatever other thing that they might watch. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's Jimmy Stewart's Winchester 73. There he is. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's the outlaw Josie Wales with Clint Eastwood. Maybe that's one of your favorites. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's High Noon starring Gary Cooper. Yeah, that's a good one. Or who can forget the works of John Wayne, Red River, the Searchers, yeah, boy, that's intimidating right there. These are classics, classics. And what I love the most about these Western movies, I think the thing that excites me most is when the protagonist or the hero comes riding into town to save the day. Whatever the trouble is, however bad things have gotten for the, the townspeople at the hand of the villain, I just keep telling myself while I'm watching these, these westerns, I just keep telling myself, boy, when old Jimmy Stewart shows up, yeah, they're going to get it. When old, when old John Wayne comes walking in, riding in, you better look out. Better look out. Yeah, get ready. Because there is something redeeming and something hopeful about the hero riding into town to save the day. It's the Bible that records of a hero that would ride in, quote unquote, to not just save the day, but as the prophet foretold, he would ride in to save his people from their sin. Yeah. In the greatest story ever told, the Bible lays out a plot of disobedience which would sever a relationship and sentence mankind to death. Sin would run rampant in the world and would attempt to reign supreme in the hearts and lives of people. It would promise sin would all kinds of pleasures, even if only for a season, in an effort to carry out an evil plan of destruction. 
People would be deceived. People uh, would, would lose friendships and cities and nations and even families would be torn apart. There would be lies and there would be betrayal. There would be bloodshed. There would be heartache and, and loss. And would the world crumble under the weight of the relentless villain called sin? Could there be redemption? Could there be a way to reconcile those that had been deceived? Were people doomed to live a life forever marred and forever marred by their mistakes and by their shortcomings? By the time the first century rolled around, God's people Israel found themselves in just such peril. Not only were they under the heavy hand of Roman rule, but they were under the heavy weight of sin. They were bound by the chains of the law and they could never satisfy those chains of the law. The traditions that they, they could not escape, traditions that had become to bind them and bound them, confusion and frustration abounded as the religious order of the day provided little hope. Sadducees and Pharisees could be spotted daily bringing judgment and condemnation to an already cast down people. What is interesting, though, is as far apart as the religious system and the common people might have been, they actually did have one thing in common. They actually did have one thing that they could agree on, and that was this. They all believed that a hero, a Messiah, would come to save them. They all believed that there would be a hero or a Messiah that would come. There were ancient prophecies that told of a Savior that would come, that, and He would literally ride into town, establish a new kingdom, and deliver them. Zechariah chapter 9 is one of those prophecies. The prophet said this, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. O daughter of Jerusalem, shout, for behold, your king is come to you, and he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And it was because of this prophecy, because of Zechariah's words, that they would customarily leave the gate of the temple open during the Passover season so that their hero the one whom they awaited, the one who would save them, could ride in and take his rightful place. What they did not know, however, and what they did not realize is that the hero that they so anxiously awaited for was already among them. He was already among them. He was the one that was prophesied by Isaiah. He was a baby that was born of a virgin. They would call his name Jesus and he would save his people from their sin. He would be Emmanuel being interpreted God with us. He would be called Wonderful. He would be called Counselor, the Mighty God and the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The government would be upon his shoulders. He would be wounded for their transgressions, bruised for their iniquities. The chastisement of their peace would be upon him and by by his stripes they would be healed. Mm. They might not have known it at the time, but there was one who had already come to deliver them. They were looking for him to burst onto the scene in a public spectacle, but the Messiah was born on a silent night in Bethlehem. No, no grandeur, no fanfare, with the exception of a few shepherds, maybe some wise men, nobody even knew that he was there. 
I wonder how many of us today have been praying for an answer to, to prayer maybe that has already come. I wonder how many of us have been waiting on deliverance that is already within our reach. You might feel hopeless, you might feel dejected, and as if deliverance is never going to come, but I feel the need today to herald to somebody in this house that the deliverer has come, and he is among us even today. Oh, he doesn't always make a lot of noise. He may not always come with a stir, but he is as close as the mention of his name today. First time Jesus came on the scene in that little stable in Bethlehem, nobody noticed, nobody cared, no announcements, no fervor in the city, he just quietly came to the earth. Thirty years later, Jesus would step onto the scene again. His cousin, John the Baptist, was preaching repentance and baptizing people. He was preparing the way of the Lord. He said, I am not that light, but I've come to bear witness of that light. In other words, John said, I'm not the Savior that you're looking for, but there is one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to latch up. And when John saw Jesus coming over that hill there in John's gospel, divine revelation hit him. His eyes were open and he pointed to Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. And over the next three years, Jesus would do some amazing things. He would make the blind to see. He would cause the lame to walk. He would raise the dead. He would turn water into wine. He would walk on the water. He would feed the multitudes. This indeed was no ordinary teacher, but he was still rejected by most. Sin still had its grip on the hearts of men. The religious leaders hated him. They, they sought to trap him. And even the few who did believe in him began to have their doubts. And that's when the Bible records that it happened. Just as had been prophesied four days before the Passover began, the text tells us that the disciples brought Jesus a young donkey. They went out and brought him a young donkey or a young colt and they put their garments on the animal and they set Jesus on that donkey and he began to ride it into Jerusalem. He rode it down through the hills and then he rode it right through the temple gates that they had left open for the prophesied Savior. He knew what he was doing. They left it open believing Messiah would come and Jesus took advantage of that opportunity. He rode that animal right through the gates that were left open. And as Jesus rode into town, the people recognized what was happening. And the Bible says that the very large crowd began to spread their cloaks in the road. This time it wasn't just a few shepherds. This time it wasn't just a small group gathered at a river. No, this time it was a very large crowd. Others began to cut branches from trees and spread them in the road. The, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed began to cry, Hosanna! Hosanna! Oh, they began to cry out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered that city gate riding on that donkey, the people, the people saw him 
They begin, something begin to happen in their hearts and they begin to cry out this word, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is an interesting word, Brother Brandon, you brought it up while ago. Hosanna, it's an interesting choice of words. That word Hosanna is a word like many other words used by the Jews at that time. It has multiple meanings. And the definition that you apply greatly depends upon the context of its use. The first meaning of the word Hosanna is a recognition, an act of adoration and celebration. It's a word used to express excitement and endearment to something or to someone. It's what we would know today, you and I, as a form of worship. Of worship. And it makes sense that they would cry Hosanna as a form of worship when Jesus rode into town that day. After all, many of them believed him to be the long-awaited Messiah. They had followed his ministry. They had experienced his miracles. They had been witnesses to his power. They had been in the crowd the day that Jesus fed the multitude. Many of them had seen, had, had been there when Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood. Several of them had witnessed the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The blinded eyes were, were open. They had experienced his great power. No wonder they worshiped him. No wonder they cried, Hosanna. The Bible declares that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth cries. It's out of the abundance of a man's heart that his mouth begins to speak. And so when they cried, Hosanna, it wasn't what was in their heads, it was what was in their hearts. And what was in their hearts welled up and began to be declared out of their mouth. Their lips were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. But it was their hearts that were crying, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we'll follow you. Jesus, we'll serve you. We'll live for you. We'll honor you. We'll fight for you. There's none like you. Their hearts were crying, Hosanna, in worship and adoration to the Messiah who had come. Mm, many are here even today and you've experienced the miracle working power of God. Many of us in this room have witnessed his healing power. We've seen firsthand the saving power of Jesus Christ. I can stand today and testify to you about how he brought me out of the miry pit. I can stand and testify today and tell you that I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. I, I've had an encounter with the Redeemer, so you may have to forgive me today that when we begin to lift our hands and we begin to open our mouth, if we don't just begin to worship and praise and cry out to God, when I get in the presence of the Lord, my heart just wants to cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, I can't help but worship him today. I can't help but praise him because when I think about what he's done, when I think about where he brought me from, when I think about what he did for me, I've got to raise my hands. I, I've got to lift my voice. I, I've got to express myself. I, it might come out of my mouth I, as Hosanna, but my heart is crying, Lord, I, I thank you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I want to serve you. Oh, 
anybody today that has a heart that wants to cry Hosanna? Yeah. But there's a second meaning to this word Hosanna. In one definition, it means worship and adoration. But there's another definition, Brother Jordan, I thought you was going to steal it today. You, you, you were right there. Yeah. Another definition that paints a little bit of a different picture. Because the second meaning is that of a cry of desperation and a cry of help. The other definition of Hosanna was we love you, we worship you, we adore you, we celebrate you, but this definition of Hosanna is, is a little different. It's, it's save us, deliver us, help us. God, we're desperate. God, I don't know where to turn. I, I don't know what to do. I, God, I'm lost. I, 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 save me and deliver me. Help me. I want you to consider with me today, if you will, that not everyone in the multitude had had the same experience. That's the way it works when you get in a large crowd together. Not everybody is the same. Not everybody's coming from the same place. No. Not everybody had, an, had, not everybody had a favorable opinion of Jesus. Not everybody was convinced that he, who, that he was who he said he was. Not everybody had seen the miracles. Not everybody could yet testify to his greatness. And while some were crying Hosanna in worship and adoration, others were crying Hosanna saying, save us, deliver us. Deliver us from Roman rule. Deliver us from our burdens. Save us from our trouble. Save us from our sickness. Save us from our worry. What were they doing? They were doing what Brother Jordan said today. They were fulfilling the Old Testament scripture in Psalm 118 where the, the psalmist said, Save us, O Lord. Lord, grant us success. Deliver us, O God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was a very great multitude. It was a huge crowd. They had all gathered around Jesus. They were all gathered in his presence. They were all saying Hosanna, and yet they weren't all saying the same thing. Mm. While some hearts were crying Hosanna in worship and celebration, there were others that were crying Hosanna in desperation and in frustration. While some hearts were worshiping in freedom, other hearts in the same crowd were crying out, still yearning to be set free. Hosanna, one word, two definitions. I can't help but wonder today on this Palm Sunday 2023, just how many here in this crowd today, this large crowd, and you're crying Hosanna from a, for a completely different reason than the person sitting next to you. Some of us are rejoicing with excitement because of what, what we've heard and what we've experienced while others are crying Hosanna out, out, out of hurt and out of desperation. 
Some of us are praising Him and worshiping Him and giving Him glory and others are crying out in desperation saying, save me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I'm desperate for an answer, Lord. I'm tired. I'm worn. I don't know where else to turn. And all I can do is cry out what's in my heart. And when I open my mouth, it just comes out, Hosanna! I think it's safe to assume today that while most of us are here worshiping God because of what we've experienced in Him, we may need to recognize that there are still a few that are crying Hosanna that have never known the touch of the Master. They've not yet received that healing touch. They don't know what it's like to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Their hearts cry Hosanna, but they've not yet been buried with Him in water baptism. They've not yet spoken with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The saved and the unsaved together crying Hosanna. The healed and the unhealed together crying Hosanna. The whole and the broken in the presence of the same God crying out with the same word Hosanna, Hosanna. And I'm here to tell you today that both are true, and both are pure, and both are welcomed, and both are invited. How can that be, Pastor Sizemore? Because either way you approach it, God is drawn to a heart that cries, Hosanna. I said God is drawn to a heart that cries Hosanna. It doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. When I'm up on the mountain, I cry Hosanna. When I'm down in the valley low, I cry Hosanna. When I'm feeling well, I cry Hosanna. When I'm sick in the bed, I cry Hosanna. When I prosper, it's going to be Hosanna. When I falter, it's still going to be Hosanna. There's still going to be a Hosanna on my lips. I, when I find myself victorious, I'll cry Hosanna. When I feel like I'm defeated, it'll be the same. Hosanna, Hosanna. Because no matter what state I find myself in, and no matter what I'm going through, God is looking for the same thing. Oh, it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what life is throwing at me. It doesn't matter if I'm feeling well or feeling bad. It doesn't matter if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood. It doesn't matter if I'm bound or if I'm free. God is still looking for the same thing, and that's a heart that will cry, Hosanna. And when he hears a heart that cries, Hosanna, I want to tell you that he will, he will show up. Yeah. When he hears a heart that cries, Hosanna, he will ride in. Oh, he'll come to the rescue. Bible says that he, and he, we said it already, he inhabits the Hosannas of his people. Yeah. Whether it's praise and worship or whether it's just a heartfelt cry of desperation, God will respond to a heart's cry of Hosanna. Oh, 
And so the Bible says in Matthew 21, it says that when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city, verse 10, all the city, all the city was stirred. The city was stirred. My, can I just remind you today that when our hearts collectively cry Hosanna, that our Hosanna can stir a city. Mm. Yeah, our collective Hosanna can stir a city. No matter who we are, no matter what our situation is, no matter if our Hosanna is one of adoration or if it's a cry of desperation, when Jesus is the object of our Hosanna, our city will be moved. Amen. Hey, you want to shake the city of Cincinnati? Let's begin to cry Hosanna. You want to stir up your relationships? Cry Hosanna. You want a shift to take place in the atmosphere of your life? Cry Hosanna. Because when God's people cry Hosanna, when some spiritual palm branches get laid out before Him, a stirring will begin to happen. When our hearts cry Hosanna, the impossible can become possible. Cities will be stirred. Foundations will be shaken. Lives will be transformed. Healings will take place. And all it takes uh, is for you and I to have a heart uh, that will cry, Hosanna. 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 Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Today, I don't know what your story is. I don't, know what, I don't know what circumstances you came to the house of the Lord today by. Maybe you just came because you wanted, to, you wanted to dance in the aisles and you wanted to worship and you wanted to cut a rug, as they say. Yeah. You know, some of us are better than that than others. Yeah. Cut a rug. Yeah. Some of us wanted to, some of us wanted to connect with our neighbors. We wanted to. We wanted to come for the social aspect. We've, some of us just wanted to come to hear the, the music. Some of us came to hear the preaching. Some of us just came out of obligation because it's what we do. But, and, and I don't, there's a variety of reasons why we come. But, but let me just tell you, there really is only one reason. Because my heart needs to cry, Hosanna. David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me. Why did he say lead me? Brother Jordan, can't you just get up and go? Can't you just get in your car, David, or get on your chariot and just go to the house of the Lord? David said, I'm so lost. I'm so overwhelmed that I need somebody to lead me. I've lost my way so much that I need somebody to lead me. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. My heart needs to cry Hosanna. My heart needs to worship Him. My heart needs to cry out. My heart needs to spill itself out before the Lord. Because when we cry Hosanna, that's when Jesus responds. That's when Jesus shows up. 
when we begin to worship Him just a little bit ago and you got out of your seat and you begin to, you begin to lift your hands and you begin to open your mouth and, and, let, and, and let a praise out, you were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is He that comes in the name of the Lord. And when you did that, God came into the room and God rode into the room and Jesus showed up and He began to move and He began to operate. Praise team didn't do that. I love them, but they didn't do that. They led you and I in to the presence of the Lord. They gave each and every one of us a proverbial palm branch, Brother Jamie, to begin to wave to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when we begin to wave them and when we begin to worship Him, when we begin to do those things, uh, the Lord began to ride in through the gate and Jesus came in and everything changed and everything was different. Because He's looking for a heart that will cry, Hosanna. Revelation chapter 19 says, I saw heaven opened up and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want you to know today that there is coming a day when Jesus is going to ride in for the last time. Yeah. Oh, every life is going to be cast before him. All the might of man and the crowns of every ruler shall be laid as palm branches at the Savior's feet. Uh, Jesus will ride onto the scene, a conquering hero, a parade of adoration, an overwhelming show of appreciation and worship for the one that overcame the adversary. The Bible says that every knee will bow, that every tongue will confess. Oh, that Jesus is Lord, but it won't be palm branches or garments that will be cast before him. The Bible says we're going to lay our crowns. We're going to lay our crowns down at his feet. Uh, and collectively, all together, our hearts will cry, Hosanna, Hosanna. Only this time there won't be two meanings. This time there will only be one meaning. We'll all be saying the same thing. Uh, Blessed is he that came in the name of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Omnipotent reigneth. It'll be nothing but adoration. It'll be nothing but worship for the one that came and saved us from our sin. Come on, would you lift your hands with me right now? Come on, lift your hands with me right now and begin to cry Hosanna. Oh, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, Come on, would you stand with me all across this room today? We're going to sing a song momentarily. And I don't know what your Hosanna means today. Maybe you're here and you came into this house and you said, Pastor, my Hosanna, the, the Hosanna that's in my heart is nothing but worship and adoration from where he brought me from. 
If you, could, if you could have seen me before I knew who he was, if you, if you could have seen the state I was in before he saved me, oh, you'd better understand why I clap and why I shout and why I lift my voice and, and why I do my dance and why I do what I do. Maybe your, maybe your Hosanna was a Hosanna of worship today, but I think maybe there's a few folks in this house this morning that maybe you came with a different Hosanna. Yeah, maybe you came with a different definition of Hosanna in your heart. Maybe you're here today and you say, I want to worship, I want to praise, I, I want to let myself go in the presence of the Lord, and yet, and yet I've got these things, I, I've got this hurt, I've got this frustration, I, I've got all this, all this confusion in my heart today, preacher, and I, I, I don't even know how to express it, and when I open my mouth, it just comes out, Hosanna! And I've come to tell you today that whichever Hosanna is in your heart, you're in good company today. I said you're in good company today because the God that we serve is just looking for a heart that cries Hosanna. Doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter what the backstory is. It doesn't matter what you had to go through to get to where you are. No, he said, I'm just looking for a heart that cries Hosanna. And so today, if you're here, I wonder if we would open this altar today. Who might be willing to come? And who might be willing to say, I got a, I got a Hosanna on my heart. I got a Hosanna on my lips. I, I, I want to I worship him. I want to cry out to him. Come on, this altar's open today. Would you come? Come on, this altar's open today. Maybe you need to come and you need to worship him. Maybe you need to come and pour your heart out to him today and say, God, I've got some frustrations. God, I've got some things. I've got some stuff. I want to cry out to you today. Come on, the hero is riding in. Come on, the hero is riding in today. Come on, he's coming in to defeat your adversary. He's come here today to bring salvation and bring deliverance. He's come to help you today. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come on, why don't you lift your hands right now all across this place. Why don't you begin to cry out, Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. God, I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
have a baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we give God praise for it? Amen. I think we can do better than that. Hallelujah. We thank God for Asia McMillan, who's going to get baptized this morning. If you would join me this morning as we pray. Amen. We believe that God's going to do a great work this morning. We're thankful for his forgiveness and for his power. Amen. And what he's going to do today. In Jesus' name, all together. Lord God, we're so grateful today for this opportunity. God, we're thankful that you are alive and well. Jesus, we're thankful that you came. We're thankful that you rose again, God, and we're thankful that your sacrifice, amen, has made it possible for our sins to be washed away. Lord, today we pray for Kiasia, God, that you would bless her, that you would keep her. Lord God, from this day forward, I pray that she would be under the umbrella of the Almighty, amen, and the protection that comes from it. Lord God, we pray for a great work today to be done in her life. We're thankful for sins to be washed away. Please guide and keep her from this day forward, we pray. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. 